Welcome to the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. I am your host, Justine Carino, licensed mental health counselor. I am here to lean into conversations about relationships, resilience, and recovery from life's challenges in order to support you on your journey to finding clarity in what you want for your future. We will talk about the things that no one else really wants to talk about in order to help you heal from past wounds and create a life that truly fulfills you. Please note, this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Welcome back to another episode from the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. My guest today is my friend and colleague, psychotherapist Mayan Tragerman. Mayan and I were introduced to each other through mutual friends about two and a half years ago because we were both new moms living in the same county and we were both starting private practices in the same city. It was basically a match made in therapist heaven. I have Mayan on the podcast with me today because she does exceptional work as a therapist. So let me tell you a little bit about Mayan first. She is a licensed psychotherapist that treats depression, anxiety, and adjustment issues with a specialization in adulting, relationships, and parenthood. She also serves as the assistant clinical director at the Fifth Avenue Counseling Center in New York City and also trains and supervises other licensed mental health clinicians and students at the clinic. Mayan, thank you so much for giving us your time today. Can you tell our audience anything else about yourself and the work that you do? Well, first of all, Justine, I just want to thank you for having me on today. This is such an awesome opportunity, Um, but I'm just so excited to sit down with you, uh, of all people, Uh, and especially given the time that we're in, it's so nice to connect in some way and just share some of my insights um, and with you. You know, I've always valued working with you. So thank thank you you for introducing me. Yeah, as mentioned, I'm a, a psychotherapist, LCSWR. I have a private practice in the Burbs. I also work at, in a clinic setting in the city, so I get the best of all worlds. Um, I absolutely love what I do. I love my, my clients. Um, my training and background is in relational psychotherapy, so I definitely tend to gravitate towards relational concepts in all of my client work and my supervising. And a lot of what I'm sharing today has been, you know, directly from patient experience, feedback, all obviously anonymous and with consent, but what better way to share than, uh, you know, from the source? I love that. I'm really eager to jump in. Amazing. And I think it's great to give real life examples um, that listeners can relate to. So thank you for being, you know, open with that. So Mayan is here to talk with me today about the emotional side of dating during the COVID-19 pandemic. She and I both work with young adults and 20 to 30-somethings that have been trying to navigate a dating life while being put in really awkward and uncomfortable situations because of the limits of this pandemic. The pandemic has really changed the way people are connecting with each other and thus added new layers to all the nuances in the dating world. A lot of conversations are starting to happen sooner than they usually would under quote-unquote normal dating circumstances. And as you said, a lot of my clients are talking about this as well. So I'm so happy Mm -hmm. to relate this to people outside of our offices. So Mayan, how do you think the aspect of social distancing due to the pandemic has impacted people who are single? Yes. 
Okay, so that's what we're here to talk about today. And there, let me just start off by saying that there is so much to say. There are so much to say about what this pandemic, quarantine, COVID, you know, everything that we've gone through as a society in 2020 and now 2021, all of how that's trickled into relationships on every level, relationships of every kind. For the purposes of today, for the purposes of the amount of time we have, I'm really going to be zeroing in on singles in the during this pandemic. And I have to say what part of what got me interested not just in hearing about this more and more and more from clients and the ways that it's kind of become consuming during this time is that a lot there's been so many parallels in how I've managed being a therapist, right? And you can I'm sure vouch for this too. Mm-hmm. We have uh we're seeing a lot of clients these days and we're seeing them via telehealth for the most part, I'd say. And so telehealth and connecting on video can feel a lot like dating these days. Mm -hmm. You know, working with ongoing patients on telehealth is kind of resembling long distance relationships. Uh, Working with new patients, meeting new patients on telehealth can feel like dating. So there's a lot of parallels. And I think it's also part of why it's just been so intriguing to me. That's such an interesting point to bring up. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I feel like I'm always getting a little, you know, taste of it myself. Um, and so a lot of what patients will share with me really resonates um, in terms of how they're connecting these days. So let's talk about social distancing. Just this term, if we just sit with that term, we've heard it over and over again. It's become normalized. This is the opposite of connection. This is the opposite of intimacy right? And this is what's become prioritized. It's what's become enforced and reinforced. And it's antithetical, you know, to intimacy, to connection. So just the idea of social distancing, you know, people have been sitting with, uh, particularly those who live alone, those who are single, have been sitting with weighing the value of distance and the value of connection on every level in every relationship. And we've all been tested this way relationally. And for people who are single, mostly their capacity to be alone has really been tested during this time. So it's caused people to really weigh you know, their sense of loneliness with their sense of safety. And that's been the ultimate challenge. Do I go on a date and risk my sense of safety? Do I continue to isolate and continue to feel more alone? And for people who have been in long-term relationships, um, maybe the pandemic has created enough tension, enough pressure, conflict in the relationship where they've broken up. And, you know, this is coming up in a number of ways. Um, There's a term, I don't know if you've heard of this, Justine, a a patient actually did mention this to me. I hadn't heard it before. It's called cuffing season. Oh, interesting. Tell me about it. So cuffing season apparently refers to a period of time, this is pre-pandemic, where single people are looking for partnerships, excuse me, to pass the colder months in the year. (laughs) <laughs> so kind of like right before holiday time, everyone's mm-hmm. starting to search for, for a partner. But this has really felt high stakes, especially in 2020. And that's kind of uh, what I've been hearing, um, especially during that time. And, you know, it's obviously intensified. You know, people want that pandemic buddy. People want to quarantine with, you know, company. Yeah. 
You bring so much to light and give a lot of language to what I think a lot of people are feeling as a single person, but haven't really been able to put the words to it. And I love how you highlighted this weighing the value of distance from people and the value of connection. That is so interesting. And that's probably what a lot of people have had to navigate and question and determine over the past 12 months. Because we're nearing, as we're recording this, it's March 1st. So we're nearing the one year anniversary um, to the outbreak in the United States. Surreal. So it's a long time um, for somebody who's been single trying and was interested in finding, you know, someone to partner up with before this even happened. And then this totally changed the direction and what this looks like. Really interesting. And I've never heard of cuffing season. I love it. And it makes complete sense. (laughs) Yeah, it makes sense. So I'm also curious, Mayan, how do you think this has impacted sex life and hookups among singles? Yeah. Okay. So again, we have an oxymoron, right? It's antithetical. Doesn't work. Social distancing and sex life, right? Um, There's a really interesting, entertaining memo that New York City released over the summer of 2020. (laughs) You've probably heard about it. Um, Many people were, there were like memes about it, right? People were joking about this. It kind of went viral beyond New York City. But uh, there was this, you know, famous kind of public health guideline memo about safer sex and COVID-19. And the one line that stands out, there are a lot, if you haven't seen it and you need a a giggle, but um, (laughs) no, but really you, the line that stands out is that you are your safest sex partner. And that's really been kind of the, the go-to, I think that's, you know, that people can fall back on. Uh, But what we're seeing overall is we are seeing a decrease in sex. And that would be probably across the board, I would say, both for singles and couples. However, um, with the decrease in sex, we are seeing an increase in intimacy across the board. So people are finding and rediscovering and, you know, redefining what it means to be intimate whether it's emotionally or physically with themselves or with other people, you know, and so, you know, one of the very real symptoms that we know of depression or anxiety can be a low libido. And so that's definitely been uh, one reason. Um, But, you know, we're seeing the idea of practicing safe sex take on a whole new meaning with encouraged social distancing. So before you had to think about certain kinds of testing. And now you have to worry about other kinds of testing with sexual partners. Um, And so, you know, there's definitely that shift, um, definitely a decline, we could say, in hookup culture overall. Um, And, you know, for a lot of people whose single scene, so to speak, was the nightlife, the bars, the, you know, um, just being out and in that scene and maybe being sexually exploratory, you know, they've lost that experience. Um, and there's a certain regret and, and, you know, maybe we'll get into later what, what's to come as a result of that. But, um, we're definitely seeing a lot of all or nothingness with actual physical sexuality. That's interesting. And I love that you bring up the point of intimacy. You know, I've had clients say, you know, their typical pattern as a single person in New York and their dating life is they would probably go to the hookup phase fairly quickly. You know, they weren't really looking for a relationship. They enjoyed having fun. 
But because of this, a lot of the usual opportunities to go out and meet people were taken from them, right? Um, And they kind of had to explore what a relationship was like by taking things slow sexually and just getting to know each other um, on an emotional level and connecting via FaceTime and texting and phone calls and not being face-to-face, not having the opportunity to hook up, just growing a more intimate emotional connection, which was really a new experience for a lot of people, if that was their pattern. Yes, yes. And that has been, we could say, a silver lining. We've heard this term a lot. But, you know, the idea of, uh, well, that's part of the redefinition, right, of intimacy, people discovering for themselves, really getting in touch with themselves as a result of greater time reflecting. And we're seeing a lot of personal reflection. What matters to them? and how to communicate that, and how to prioritize that for themselves and in their relationships. Yeah, and it was almost like a new screening or filter that they were using to see, is this person worth meeting up with in person? You know, now that I'm getting to know them, I can actually think a little bit longer about how much I value this connection and if it's worth the risk of meeting in person so that people started kind of really screening and filtering each other way before um, they normally would. Yes. And they've been given more tools, we could say, to do that um, as this uh, pandemic has really shape-shifted, right? And as, you know, the, the numbers have fluctuated depending on where you live in one direction or another. Um, and now, Obviously, there's a lot more uh, developments every day, but, you know, and hopefully we'll talk more about that in a bit, but there, the trends in dating have reflected all of what's been playing out in this pandemic. Yeah. So why don't we jump into that? What kind of trends have you seen in your practice since the pandemic started? Okay. So I'm going to just name, uh, because there are so many trends, that these trends are really going to be focused on in this conversation uh, on at this point in the conversation on those who have really decided to date those who have made a choice to date because there are many single people who have chosen not to date during this time either because it's been too overwhelming or there's a you know a lot else that they're dealing with and they're not prioritizing that that you know during this time um or maybe they want to really better themselves and create a better version of themselves to present to a potential partner after this period of time. So I've heard a lot of that as well, and I want to name that. But for those who are choosing to date, we're definitely seeing, this shouldn't be a surprise, an increased you know, usage of dating apps. So there's lots of scrolling and swiping. Um, you know, the, the director over at, um, at Hinge, Director of Relationship Science, she's all over the place right now. She just wrote a book, um, how to Not Die Alone. I don't know if you've heard of this. Her name is Logan Yuri. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. So she has a lot to say about this. There's a lot of good reading, you know, and, and interesting, thought-provoking stuff that she's put out if anyone is interested in hearing more. But um, she talks about how video dates are the new coffee dates. And um, obviously, you know, that's a trend. I had one client in particular who... Um, had a wonderful story early on in the pandemic, uh, had a video date. It was one of her first, maybe the first video date and that she had scheduled with this guy. You know, she's living in New York City, um, you know, set up a time about five minutes before the scheduled time for their video call. Her buzzer goes off downstairs and she gets a cocktail delivery. Uh, it was a cocktail, a glass of wine. 
And she was just, you know, kind of laughing about how wonderful this was, how fun, how creative. How smooth of that person. I know, right? But I thought what that is so, I got such a kick out of it too, but I thought that is so, that is so wonderful and so creative. Just an example of how, another example of how people can be creative during this time. So yeah, we're seeing a lot of them. I'm very impressed. I know it was impressed. It was, it was impressed. (laughs) Did they end up together? They did not. I don't think it went anywhere, but it did score a lot of points. That's awesome. Um, Yes. So um, we are seeing, you know, this idea of uh, ghosting, Mm. you know, not being responsive without any warning, um, that whole thing which has unfortunately increased over time given the social media platforms and technology, et cetera. But we have seen a, um, a decrease in that. Mm-hmm. So that is a, maybe one positive in terms of thinking about you know, how people communicate and not wanting to waste your time and being reflective around that, being open and being honest. I think that's a result of that's so that. interesting because I feel like that was so common in the dating world. So your research is finding that that isn't happening as often. Yes. So apparently, uh, and this is a, again coming from a hinge, that's mm-hmm. down nearly a quarter. Fascinating. Than, than it was pre-pandemic. And then we're seeing, um, obviously, as a result of the increased use of dating apps, mm-hmm. what we're seeing is uh, an increase in kind of openness and flexibility to finding people in different places. So for example, maybe you were looking in one zip code, you know, your filters were set to that. Now you're kind of expanding beyond that. Or maybe you're open to, you know, another state or another country. So there's that. And then there's the actual location of the dates and being creative around that and what that looks like, right? And so, yeah, I can share some more examples of that later. Right, right. Uh, But that's definitely another trend. And even, I know we're talking about singles. I'm just reflecting on my own relationship of needing to be creative in your own partnered up situation. Oh, sure, relationship sure. of like, How do we have a date right now? Like, how is it possible? How do we figure out to get alone time together without our kids um, and feeling safe in that way? So that's a challenge for everybody. Yes. Recreating what it means to be intimate with each other and with ourselves. That has been a takeaway from this time. Yeah. What is intimacy looking like in so many levels? Um, Yeah. And then we're seeing, and I think you referenced this earlier, you know, that people are kind of needing to decide whether or not to be exclusive, whether or not to be serious, having these kind of accelerated conversations um, because of the pandemic. So obviously, you know, creating a pod or quarantine, quarantining together, or the risk of traveling to see someone or the risk of seeing someone at a date. So, you know, uh, there are clients who are having these conversations with people they've gone on one or two dates with, you know, are you seeing anyone else? Are you sleeping with anyone else? And maybe they wouldn't be asking those questions. They wouldn't be asking these questions if it wasn't, you know, the, the risk posed by the time that we're in. So, that acceleration can really be a good thing or it could be a a not so great thing, right? On the one hand, it removes impulsivity. So people are mindfully dating because they're less likely to, to be impulsive and they're having these conversations, you know, in a, in a thoughtful way. Yep. And they're, they're kind of getting to a more serious place, we can say sooner. Um, But the con is that, you know, 
being lonely and being isolated can dictate the wrong choices. And people might be compelled to seek temporary comfort, to find a pandemic buddy, to, to kind of have a stopgap measure in a relationship <laughs> to pass the time. And that might, we might see the results of that later. And we'll touch on that more. But yeah, we're seeing, you know, that's the downside is that we can really be led down the wrong path because of our sense of loneliness. I love that you bring out both sides. So on one side, there's the mindfully dating perspective, really thinking about who you're dating. It's very intentional because of the circumstances. But then on the other side, both is happening, um, feeling lonely, feeling isolated, wanting to partner up and maybe settling for someone you normally wouldn't settle for because you want that comfort, you want that socialization, there's a need um, that you need to have met for some reason right now. And I love how you pointed out that both is happening for people. And probably within relationships too, we could say, right? Totally, totally. So you, you're so knowledgeable about all this. I'm interested in hearing how the idea of trust has shown up in the dating world since the pandemic started. Have you seen that come up? Absolutely. So trust is being challenged sooner. That's what I think we could say. Um, And there's a certain difficulty in navigating this because trust in itself, if you think about it, has really been challenged all throughout 2020 and, Mm -hmm. and in 2021, you know, in a number of ways. Who can you trust within your pod? Who can you trust to be in your pod? Who can you trust to quarantine with? Um, You know, what's the capability of this virus? What's the safety around vaccinations? Can we trust the vaccine? Who can we trust from a political standpoint? I mean, the list goes on and on. We have been faced with uh, all of these questions and second guessing uh, what we think we know and what we think we trust um, in a number of ways. So it's showing up in for singles specifically who have chosen to date in considering in new potential partners have they been tested? You know, have they quarantined when they said they would or, you know, when they've traveled? Who have they seen? Who have they not seen? Have they been vaccinated? Have they gotten the second dose? You know, we're going to be seeing more of that as more and more people become eligible. So it is being challenged sooner, but it can help develop more meaningful relationships as a result of, you know, how you move through it. And so there's a higher priority on trust, which is a good thing. People are now kind of faced or forced to confront what they think about trust sooner. I love that you've picked that out. It's been constant evaluation, you know, not just in the dating life, in all aspects of your life, as you mentioned, who do you trust? And there's a new meaning behind that level of trust. There's so many moving parts to constantly consider. Um, So this has definitely changed. Fascinating. Wow. So what are some things people are considering while dating right now? Can you kind of tell us the your thoughts on the who, what, where, when, and hows of all of this? Oh, yeah. So the who and what may be the same, um, but I will say, and I, I do want to point out that some clients and, you know, people are, you know, not the type to gravitate towards traditional norms or traditional lifestyles. And so there are people who enjoy polyamory or who may, you know, 
just reject the traditional norms of relationships. And they may be feeling particularly limited right now, too, because our lives have really been forced into this kind of domestic traditional model. And, uh, you know, a client of mine has has really reinforced that for me. And, and I'm so grateful because it's a helpful reminder that there are people, you know, who who may not fit into the confines of the traditional sense of relationship. I love that you bring that up. That's good to address. But, you know, the who the who and what's, we could say, are, have been the same, but the where, you know, and we touched on this a little bit, like where are your dates happening? And people are considering dating indoors, outdoors, you know, what season are we in, depending on where we're living? What's the temperature like? This is like checking the weather is, is, is a regular thing now, right? Um, checking your weather <laughs> out. Every morning. Refreshing, refreshing. Oh my God. I check that and the coronavirus numbers in New York. That's my normal morning routine now. I know. it's it's We've all become, you know, uh, your local weather, weather person. But... <laughs> You know, so where are the dates happening? And, you know, again, you know, does the season matter? I think as the seasons warm up, we're going to see a lot of shifts in the dating trends. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll talk about that. But, you know, again, are you open to dating long distance or traveling together? So uh, I've been uh, working with someone uh, for a while who has recently been traveling, you know, um, safely and is taken advantage of this time and working remote to see some remote places they've never been to before and had uh, randomly run in to another person that they had dated, you know, long ago, briefly dated, and they decided to kind of band together and travel together and quarantine together. And so now you have this, I guess, kind of friend couple, travel couple, that, um, you know, their relationship didn't work out before, but they are finding themselves in the same geographic location. They're finding themselves in the same place in their life, and they're just open to living together and kind of, you know, moving through life in this this way right now. And, and you know, obviously, if the pandemic wasn't a thing, this wouldn't be happening. So, you know, just where people are finding themselves very unique. Fascinating. And that kind of forced a new level of intimacy for them that they would have never have had to talk about or look at if it wasn't for the pandemic. Yes, exactly. And when, you know, when, how soon are you feeling safe to be intimate or see someone or, you know, might you be waiting for the vaccine to really date in person? And maybe you're only sticking to videos for now. Um, I had a, another client who's thinking of getting back out there, so to speak, in the dating world and, um, you know, was considering how to update her profile and realized that there are no recent pictures of her, like in the last year. I mean, like, what what is she going to post? And, and, you know, concerned that, that she could find some accurate representation. But it's sort of funny. I mean, if you think about it, sure, you could snap a selfie, but, you know, people really don't have many formal pictures these days right? You know, aren't getting dressed up. And so, you know, just, um, just something to consider. And, and I've heard of a few stories now where people have decided to meet up and that person has not looked like their picture. So I don't know if that's why, but you know, it's just something interesting to consider. Fascinating. Cause what are we getting dressed up for really? 
I feel like that'd be a daytime event. If I was a single and I was like, wow, I need to update my picture. I would make that a whole day. I know. I know. Like, what do I wear? Am I putting on makeup? Having the lighting right? I feel like that would be a process. I know. And now people are connecting differently, right? So you have people who might be sexting or FaceTiming or, you know, sending selfies or, you know, just the way that we represent ourselves and the way we connect looks different. So maybe it's not live. And it's really interesting to consider. Yeah. So I think, you know, again, these are examples of people who are dating, but there are a lot of people who I work with who are in the arts who, you know, another point that's been made, um, you know, or in the service industry who have really been impacted or uh, otherwise financially uh, as a result of this time and who may not feel that they're in a stable position in their life to date. Mm to go on dates, you want to feel confident, you want to feel like you have a sense of direction, right? And so I'm grateful to be reminded of these really valuable points, because not everyone is feeling like they're in a great place to date. And that's affecting all of this. That's important to acknowledge. And we're having a conversation specifically for those who feel willing and ready to take on this really awkward dating scene. But you're right. There's plenty of people struggling right now who don't feel like they're in the space to connect with other people in the best way. And they're not their best, their best selves. And they're really working on themselves. And they've opted not to date. And I think that is so important. And that's, it's other conversation. You know, that's a whole other topic a to talk about. A whole other topic, mental health during this time and how it's impacting how people connect to each other and how they relate. Yeah. So how do you, what do you see happening for the post pandemic dating scene, whenever that may be? It's funny because I'm thinking, and even in preparing for this, like what is post pandemic mean? (laughs) First of all, it's surreal. We've been in this for as long as we have, but what does it really mean to be post pandemic? Will there be a distinct point at time where people say, I mean, now we're a year out, right? Mm -hmm. As we record this okay, we're over the pandemic. This is post-pandemic now. Or will things always kind of look different? Like people are talking about a hybrid model at work or telehealth or, you know, what we don't know. But I do think that some things are here to stay for better and for worse. Um, I think it'll be interesting with the seasons changing and more vaccinations and more eligibility for that, assuming people feel comfortable with that. um, I think dating is going to start being an option again in in the ways that it hasn't been. So we're going to see an ongoing redefinition of dating, but I think some of what we know will return and we might see some extremes. So all of the people who were waiting, so to speak, for things to get better, they may be acting out. We may see a a hookup surge, uh, all that pent up time spent with themselves you know, so we may see that we may also see a relationship surge, you know, all of the time spent quarantining with those partners may really pay off. And we'll probably also see a breakup surge, all of the, you know, those people who had spent time quarantining together, we were hearing a lot about divorce rates and, and things like that. So there's going to be a lot of extremes. Um, I think that people are going to be really vetting each other differently, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You may think differently about, you know, who who you're meeting. And the dating apps are really reflecting that. They're they're really staying current, uh, almost 
frighteningly so. I mean, if you look on Bumble, you know, you can choose your dating preferences now and kind of click off virtual, socially distanced with mask, socially distanced, and really pick, you know, your preferences. So I think the layouts, the filters, the preferences, they're going to be um, adapting to all of this. Maybe although maybe there'll be a, a filter if there isn't already. There might be for being vaccinated. Right. And there's a whole term now, well, that I've coined at least, but, um, you know, I don't know if you've heard of this funny term, vaccinations. People are taking yes. and booking vaccinations. So now I'm thinking like vaccinating, you know, like <laughs> it's so uh, cheesy, but I, I had to. I, I mean, love it. You know, are you only going to be going on dates with people who have been vaccinated? If that's something you feel strongly about and, and you know, another major consideration. So there's that. But most importantly, I hope, I really hope as a clinician in the world and, um, you know, that mindfully dating is going to be prioritized and valued and here to stay. So my hope is that people will keep moving through dating and relationships more thoughtfully than ever before. These are great points. So Mayan, what kind of services are you currently offering? Okay. So, well, I'm currently offering uh, individual weekly psychotherapy sessions in private practice via telehealth right now, but I will say availability is limited, uh, not unlike probably you and many other, if not all other clinicians I know, it is, it's just wild. Um, so I hope that that changes soon. I know. No. And how can listeners find you? Well, you can find me on the, the World Wide Web, as they say. Um, Mayan Tregerman, LCSW.com. And uh, probably need that to be spelled. But you can... I'll put that in my show notes. I'll link that for anyone listening that's interested. Thank you. Well, this was lovely. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thank you. And I can't wait to share this with everyone. Thank you. I really loved it. I hope someone can take something away from this. And I think they will. I hope you enjoyed listening to the information shared during this episode. Please consider subscribing so you can stay updated when new episodes are released. And don't forget to check out the podcast show notes to find any resources that were mentioned in today's conversation. Thank you for listening and enjoy all the moments your day has to offer you.